1: Oh yeah! There it is. Oh. <laughs> the party has already started, everybody. I got, I, let me crack my glow sticks. I'm fist pumping. It's a Zion rave. Woo! <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Linda and World of Tanks. They made that possible. DLC, of course, the show, all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. And also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host Jeff Two Ns One T Kanata, and I'm joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis Christian Spicer, the guy who joins me in wishing a very happy birthday to our intrepid and awesome DLC audio engineer Zach Holder.
2: Happy Hello, Honda days to <laughs> Zach! To Zach! Everything Zach- is a commercial Jack
1: makes this show possible he's awesome and today is today as we record this he is here on his birthday engineering the show as usual producing the show he's awesome so thank Loser you Zach.
0: Alert.
1: <laughs> uh, dlc of course you're downloadable Kanata, you're downloadable christian but i am super excited this week because dlc also stands for darling of live cable because we've got <laughs> television luminary <laughs> Former host of G4 TV's Attack of the Show and the super creative talent behind the hilarious and informative Pointless podcast, Mr. Kevin Perry.
3: Uh, wow, I'm, cl- I'm not clapping for me for once. I'm actually clapping for that intro. Thank you. Uh, it is a extreme pleasure to be on uh, Dudes Loving Children because for many years – I have been looked at as weird or broken for saying, you know, just the smile in a small child's face brings me such inner warmth and the the tenderness of their skin as I press it against my cheek. Uh, Sometimes I get weird looks for that, and I'm just so glad that finally there is a podcast that celebrates dudes who love children. So thank you guys for having me, and let's get into the kids.
1: Whatever it takes to get you on my show. That's what what I'm willing to tell you (laughs) our show is about
3: boy you'll go to any length i like yes i
1: will (laughs) um i should also mention that as we record this today also you can hear more of kevin and i talking in fact it's on his show pointless Uh, it's an episode that i am personally really proud to have been a part of i'm a very small part of it but kevin had an extraordinary experience in peru and we talked about it on his show and it it it's one of the most amazing two hours I've ever had in my life, and you guys should all go listen to
0: it.
3: Oh, thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. But, but appreciate you being there and the plug, of course. Yes, that's at supercreative.tv. It uh, should be on the homepage, and you were uh, an awesome host and a very kind friend, so thank you again for doing that. Absolutely, Yeah, and I, was,
2: I was super busy
3: that day, so don't worry about it. Right, but <laughs> in, in spirit, though, you were there. Jeff brought your photo. He put it
1: up on the wall. It's still there. So, yeah, as you. I as cool. I always do, as I always do. <laughs> um, okay, guys, enough uh, enough of this grab ass. Let's uh, let's get into story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Hey. Story of the week, the, story of the week. Story of the week is the segment of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of gaming during the last week. Kevin, you're our guest. You get first pick. Mm. Um, not a huge week of news, but I think there's some stuff in there. What what did you think was the story of the week?
3: I like that you're building up this huge honor. Like you get the pick Eh, too bad. It's a, a grab bag of, of fail, but you go ahead and make, make some lemonade. (laughs) Knock yourself out. Um, Yeah. I, well, so the anti story of the week, which I, I don't know if you guys discussed last week is the destiny DLC. We can get to that. But for me, the actual story of the week is Oculus buying two very cool VR tech companies that has me giddy like a Japanese schoolgirl.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. I I am so excited about our eventual holodeck future. I, I I bring up an Oculus or a VR story almost every week, and this might be one of the coolest ones we've had all year because now that Oculus has that fat Facebook money, they're putting it to good use. They announced two acquisitions, one from a company called Nimble VR, which basically tracks your fingers and your hands in real time in the, in VR space to be able to project them into the game or the simulation that you're looking at in your Oculus. And the other is a company called 13th Lab, which is developing markerless augmented reality tracking and real-time 3D construction framework technology. Basically, that means mm-hmm. you can drive around in a real environment or walk around in a real environment, and it can sort of map sketch out the 3d environment so that you don't have to painstakingly recreate it it does it automatically
3: and let's be clear it does it right now with an iphone 5 you don't need a special array of infrared uh, you know transmitters you don't need to go and place qr codes on every starbucks so that it knows where it's garbage
1: they're garbage they're terrible
3: they're terrible. They're like child's playthings. I wouldn't let my four-year-old touch an iPhone 5, and I don't even have one. I would not go recruit a four-year-old from the park and give them an iPhone 4 or 5 because that would be doing them a huge disservice. They're better off with a Leap Pad or a Fisher-Price set of plastic keys because that is more powerful. Um, the notion that with off-the-shelf technology right now – Uh, processors are powerful enough cameras are uh, high enough fidelity that without gps you can accurately map your surroundings in real time there's no telling what this technology will lead to in a year or two years time for gaming for virtual tourism uh, for for there's an asterisk that we literally can't fill in because we do not know where this technology will go we just know that we should be amazed that it's already at this level So of these two companies, you're more excited about the 13th Lab acquisition? No, I'm – man, it it feels – it pains me to even pick a favorite. Uh, But no, I would say I'm actually more excited for the Nimble VR. Um, Uh The the video on their Kickstarter says very clearly that when you put on an Oculus Rift or any sort of VR headset, the first thing you do – is you look for your hands. And that right. is absolutely true. It's the first thing I did. I mean, you kind of look around a little bit and go, oh, but you immediately put your hands in front of your face and go, no. And despite the fact that a real-time 3D world is being rendered in front of your eyes and you're being tracked at five milliseconds from you know, motion to photons, you go, ah, and it's your first part of a broken experience and that's really damaging to vr so the notion that this company has made basically a very teeny tiny connect that works which i know is uh, not part of the brand um the fact that they've done that and they put thought into what the field of view needs to be and how accurate it can track you and how quick it can track you um the notion that oculus is swallowing that up Uh, at this early stage to probably integrate it into whatever their first retail product will be has me very excited because that is a huge barrier to vr the moment you put that headset on and you grab an xbox controller or you put your hands on the home row it doesn't feel as futuristic and amazing as the headset itself does so this might solve that christian what do you think about this
1: story excited about these two companies
2: yeah, I mean, it's hard not to be excited. Um, anytime something better integrates, I think, it's weird. I was going to say, finish finish your thoughts, Christian, finish your thoughts. Anytime technology better integrates the quote-unquote real space into that technology, I think is awesome. Of course, what it's doing is it's integrating real space into technology as technology, <laughs> if that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, anything that makes you feel like you're more really there I think is, or at least having that option is better because then you can, you can put your hands in front of you or you can, you know, will we get the connect promise of scanning in a skateboard or, you know what I mean? Like anything that makes you feel like this space is more fleshed out and you are in it and not a spinning head, you know, third can third person camera floating through this world makes it better. I, I mean, it is, it's a type of thing where the news cycle is where it is today that we get so excited for these things and, I mean, it's early tech. Like you said, it's iPhone five, like that's outdated tech. So I don't know how soon we'll see this in awesome implementation that we're all using. But so it's easy to get excited about. And I try to rein myself in and think, let's wait for the thing to come out. Let's wait for it to be awesome. Let's wait for multiplayer to work. (laughs) let's, let's, Let's take it from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had two thoughts uh, watching these. First of all, I I share Kevin's enthusiasm. This is exactly what I want this company to be doing, being bold, being forward thinking and uh, getting on top of technologies that can make Oculus better. And it also made me think all the people that were crying about, oh, it's ruined now that Facebook owns it. Well, this is what that infusion of money allows them to do this, this kind of uh, acquisition and this kind of aggressive technological advancement is is what money in the bank gets you. The other thing that I thought, though, is obviously these are um, we're looking at where these technologies are right now, and who knows if what they'll end up using them for will be exactly what we're seeing. But it certainly made me think that the nimble VR portion is not made for a console experience it's really made for a desktop experience this is a little device that you sit in front of your hands and it shoots a beam up at your hands to to track them not really something i could see myself using on a couch but maybe you know
3: they do have a demo of it sorry to interrupt but you know the new Oculus headset has a USB port on the side of it, and that was very smart of them to build that in so that peripherals and add-ons, maybe dual cameras for stereoscopic augmented reality tracking, whatever the use case is, they Mm -hmm. built that little port in there. And so they do have, there's a small portion in their Kickstarter video where you see the Nimble mounted on top of the visor. So imagine Oculus taking that and cramming it into the headset itself wow. uh, now wherever you turn your head it is projecting that giant arc that huge infrared field of view so that as you look around the room it's still tracking whatever is in front of you i think the technology will work that way so awesome. it's not just relegated to being clipped onto
1: a laptop monitor i didn't even think about that but that would be amazing if it if it was just all in one unit that mm-hmm. was uh, yeah it's just that's
3: that's the Think future- of the Hentai. Just
1: think of the hentai.
3: <laughs> you could reach out and touch all of the anime babes.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially with that thing, that beam shooting directly down at my crotch. I, <laughs> I don't want to go there. Uh, no, but this is what I want. You know, this is the this is the the kind of virtual reality future that I'm so excited about. Uh, it's just seeing that video demo of the guy, you know, yeah. bringing his hands up into his field of view and fully articulated fingers as he's manipulating things in the air. That's that's what I want. I can't be more Look, excited. We about forget
3: it. that like it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that this product has not shipped That the Oculus is – I mean there's dev kits out. Sure, people are making things for it. But when you want to talk about whether or not this industry may take off or this new form of interactive media uh, has a snowball's chance in actually surviving, look at the the innovation that is springing up in garages across the country, across the world. People are rallying around this because – They feel it and they know it, and when you use an Oculus, you sort of understand that this is baby steps, but this is not what happened in the 90s. This is not 40 pounds of plastic on your head pushing 20 polygons around. They have to spend $40 a minute to play at some pizza parlor. This is a new type of VR, and the product is not even out. So, you know, version one that ships, maybe it won't have this nimble stuff or the Visual Slam stuff. That's okay, because revision two, three, four, and on—that is the stuff that is going to blow minds and and change, uh, you know, video games and commerce and social
2: networking as we know it. I fully believe that. Um- Kevin, Jeff doesn't like revision three being brought up, so when Oculus it goes revision one,
0: revision two. And,
3: and I thought I, I honestly I thought that the moment I said revision three, I went, oh,
2: I probably just I don't know. I he's probably not gonna dig that. <laughs> so, yeah. But my my serious question to you both is it's not the graphic Uncanny Valley, but do you think that bringing in your hands, the discon- the next disconnect, is it solving one problem, but maybe creating a bigger problem of not having that feedback, that, that tactile, mm-hmm. so now you're seeing things, and your brain's like, hey, my my hands are there, but then you touch this, it's kind of like, for me, I think it may be close to, if you played Mario Kart on Wii, and you know you're using the Wii mode as a wheel, and yes, technically the tracking is decent, but it's not grounded to anything, there's no resistance and it feels wrong, almost wronger than if you just used a controller. And that's my concern for what the – and I'm sure there's someone's working on it. But, like, what's – I don't know if it makes well, it better or worse. We
1: just did a, a story on We Have Concerns about this uh, company that's working on using ultrasound to create uh, barriers in 3D shapes in the air um, – where you, you, feel, you feel resistance. You can push your hand through it because it's just sound waves, but you feel a resistance and you can actually feel the shape of something in the air. So as all of these technologies converge, I, I feel like we're getting closer and closer to holodeck, which is the goal.
3: Right. I, I think that's a very valid question and point. That, but I do think that the problem that something like this solves is greater than the problem that it creates. And that's, you know, that's iteration, that's, that's momentum, that's moving forward. Uh, the disconnect of not being able to see your hands or use them at all is a huge issue. This can fix that. The lack of haptic feedback, as Jeff alluded to, that can be solved with ultrasonic waves or maybe with a glove or who knows what sort of uh, devices they'll create to solve that. But you, know, you also don't really get any haptic feedback with a tablet and people have sort of accepted that as a viable input method. You know, and they're starting to fix that with motors and whatever else. But you're okay with touching a screen and watching it interact and going okay. So if you add 3D and add depth to that, I still think the experience is going to be greater than again than the problem that it is trying to solve, which is not being able to interact with your hands.
1: Christian, what is your story of the week?
2: Well, as a dude who loves children, um, <laughs> to bring the show <laughs> back to back to what the show's about, you guys, yeah, please uh, think of the kids. I mean, I saw it on um Kotaku originally and then there was a Reddit thread about it. Someone submitted it. Um Andre, I don't know how to say your last name. It was submitted to the subreddit, where of course you can always submit topics or hashtag them with DLC S O T W if there's something you want us to talk about. And it's this story about um his this dad having his son play video games and video game consoles as they were released chronologically and basically not introducing him to the Wii U or the Wii or whatever until he played the Nintendo and then Sega Genesis. And the way the articles report it is, is he has created a super uh, gamer. This child is a prodigy and beats Splunky on its hardest difficulty and is just an incredible retro gamer and destroys roguelikes. And I think... A lot of the articles that I saw were like this is so cool I'm going to do this with my kid. And as a dude who loves children and owns a child, that's what you do until they turn 18, you own them. Um I don't know, man. This this feels like you know the whatever spectrum you want to be on of like uh and they're amazing tennis players, but the Williams sisters and like their dad like you're going to play or like Tiger's dad like you're going to be you're going to be a golfer. Like let the kid do what, let the kid yeah, do and what he wants. Yeah, those kids turned out terrible. Well, you want to get into the type of human tiger is, that's speculation and will be sued for uh, you know,
3: defamation, defamation of, of character.
0: character. Right.
2: But I don't
3: he's know. not going mean, to sue, though. He's too busy plowing strippers and counting his billions. <laughs> let's be clear about that. Well, quote, unquote, I, hurting I like his that you're – right. I like that – it's interesting that I, I did not even think about the tiger dadding or the stage fathering. That this story could be of like, no, you are going to play with these eight bits and you're going to play them until you beat them and your calluses wear off and you're bleeding and you can't complete your homework. But then again, if my dad dragged me to the golf course every day, I'd be like, oh, stop it. This is terrible. If my dad was like force feeding me video
2: games at a young age at four years old, I'd be all right with that. I think I'd (laughs) be okay. Come on. This kid go unless he's homeschooled. Sorry, homeschoolers. You're weird. Um, Unless like (laughs) that's that's another issue like this kid goes to school and his kid the the friends are like dude i was playing mario kart 8 and he's like nope that game doesn't exist
1: (laughs) (laughs) no that game doesn't exist
2: (laughs) it's weird i like that you think he kept him in a shed and kept him
1: away from
3: (laughs) all internet and all media like he wasn't allowed to know that games have evolved to like the
2: cd medium (laughs) he doesn't he doesn't have any idea that's well, what I read. So I'm alone well, in this. You guys read this story and you're like, rah rah, this is awesome. Well, no, I okay. First, let's be
1: very clear because I think you kind of glossed over how extreme a situation this was. It's not that <laughs> he,
2: was he was torturing like... his child with no. video. <laughs> it's not. It's not that he was you like, you don't get your supper unless you beat a Mega Man boss. <laughs> he held him at Zapper gunpoint every day. <laughs> It's not
1: that he wasn't allowed to play, you know, sixty four until he had Super Nintendo. It was, it was like the first game he was allowed to play was Galaxian and Rally X and Dig Dug and Pac Man, and and he sort of introduced new games to this kid in chronological order, starting from the first games, and then went to NES Atari two thousand six hundred, then NES, then SNES, and sort of built this history in a compressed amount of time with this kid uh, over ten years, right? And yeah, he Batmanned his his son, right? He did the thing that the guy <laughs> that the dad in kick ass did for, you know, for uh, Hit Girl is like he turned it into a superhero. A a video game superhero, which is pretty ineffective. But I I do feel like it's a little odd and, and the the tone it's of the odd? article.
3: Come on, guys!
1: All right, Come tell right. me why it's, tell I don't me mean, why it's like, awesome.
3: He Ivan he, I drago him. Like he kept him in a lab <laughs> and force fed him eight bits until he grew muscle. Like he started this when the guy, when Elliot was four years old. At the age of four, there's really not a ton of great gaming options. You're relegated to tablets or maybe, maybe a Call of Duty. I don't know, that's how terrible <laughs> of a parent I am. I'm like, go ahead, gotta War it up. Like he was four years old. So the fact that he was putting him on this accelerated path I think was totally fine and do we know that it was it was pack band or nothing did he say it's either or i don't know that it was that dire but think of the training that this cat this kid had like i can't get through the first any portion of spelunky i'm terrible at it and to know that this kid could crush it at the age of nine he's gonna be if he wants to continue this he's gonna be killing every MOBA and every RTS, and he's going to be on stage winning the half a mil prizes and holding big checks and crying and thanking his father. And then he's going to have sex with all of the strippers and (laughs) he'll have his back pain scandal. It's going to be a meteoric rise and I'm very excited for him.
2: Well, so... Go ahead. Let me clarify real quick, Jeff. Again, I don't think it's as horrific necessarily as I was presenting it, but when I read it, I felt like I was the only person reading it being like, "This this, this is a stage mom. This is... Crazy and everything else is like this is awesome. I'm gonna do this Mike and it is it's cool. It is cool. I will give it that. And I'm not saying that this guy is a bad father. I don't know him. I'm implying he's a very bad father. But I'm not saying no. It doesn't, you know, no judgment aside, but it it just I felt like I was the only one that read it as a little odd or a little weird and
1: his if you look at the original article, which is his blog that he did on medium.com, he titled the entire thing, playing with my son, an experiment in forced nostalgia and questionable parenting. And the whole thing is a little tongue-in-cheek because he starts off talking about how, like, as soon as I had a kid, I wanted to do an experiment on it. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but my wife talked me out of all these other crazy experiments. And so what I settled on was making him learn video games in this way. And it it comes out the same week we had a new um, – what is that? A Watch Kids – now play old things video
2: with mega fans right. and right. uh, cast by the way those is are it cast. called retrocast no they're just not real oh uh anyway it was you know that like kind the of kids thing aren't of, real they, they cast cyborgs to come in and, and <laughs> act like real children while they play these things i don't know specifically those but let's just say i was involved in a casting of a thing that ended up i didn't do ah. but i've read articles about like this look at this real life it's like nope nothing is real Nothing is – I'm reading a script right now, listeners. This isn't real. Kevin, you're cute.
3: Uh, man, man leans in towards microphone. Oh, that's me.
2: Sorry. <laughs> um,
3: no, I think, I Jeff, know. you were going to mention that these kids are playing Mega Man and they suck at it. They right. have zero ability and zero skill, right? No and, hand-eye coordination. Everything hurts them, and which right. is a great metaphor for the real world, and they're
1: surprised by that. Yeah, and Elliot would stroll into that room and be looked at as a god – because right. he would sit down at Mega Man and with his eyes no. closed, <laughs> he'd be like, I played this when I was five. <laughs> here's
3: well, the thing. The guy the guy writes at the end of his article, he goes, at this point, you're probably thinking of a monster or a pretty awesome dad. Maybe a little of both. But here's the important part. He goes, it's okay with me. My son is amazing. He loves video games more than anything. He loves playing them with me. So it's not like this father put his son in a closet where he records his podcast from and force fed him Coleco games. Like he went through this experience with his son and like, you know, my dad put me in like a VR simulations with quests. Like I'm going to get the milk and I'm never going to be there for you again. And when you unlock that achievement, you pay for it with years of therapy. So I would much prefer this This dad in my life <laughs> i I don't know i I get it's questionable, but to me i just I do see it as phenomenal that he was there doing this thing with his kid, and I think that's great that he was present in his son's
2: life, so I'm gonna give him that as a plus here here last, I, I will agree my last that. point on this is just for listeners, if you're curious, yes. I am doing something similar with my daughter, but I'm diseases in uh, chronological order in which diseases have been eradicated. So hopefully when she's 10, you know, will be cancer will be gone. But right now we're still working on polio. She's yet to crack it kind of. a God,
1: she's
2: She's really getting lazy with that, too. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. A
1: lot of fun discussion in the chat room about this. People are all over the place. Some people agreeing with you, Christian, uh, about uh, you say
2: that like it's so weird. (laughs) Well, it is.
1: I find it always weird when anyone agrees with you. But, um, all right. We'll get back to this in a second. I do have to take a a quick break and thank our sponsor, Linda. Oh, Linda! Linda! lynda is easy and affordable it's a way to help people learn you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by experts on business software web development graphic design and more and lynda.com works directly with industry experts and software companies to provide timely training often the same day new releases hit the market so you're always up to speed all their courses are produced at the highest quality, not like those lame homemade videos you see on YouTube. When you go searching for something and you you just want someone to tell you how to do it, and you realize, oh, they're talking about the wrong version, or I can't even follow what this guy's talking about because he he doesn't never spoken on video before. No, Linda is professionals. It's people who are experts in their field. It's people that know how to create great video. And each course is broken into bite-sized pieces so you can learn at your own pace and learn from start to finish or just find a quick answer to your question. Lynda.com has great tools like searchable transcripts, playlists, and even certificates of course completion, which you can publish to your LinkedIn profile. It's great if you're a professional in the field. Whether you're a beginner or advanced, Lynda.com has courses for all experience levels and makes it easy to learn anywhere with their apps. They have apps for iPhone, iPad, and Android. One low monthly price of 25 bucks gives you unlimited access to over 100,000 video tutorials. And premium members with an annual plan can download courses to, to learn offline as well on their iPhone, iPad, or Android. We're going to hook you up. If you go to lynda.com slash DLC, we're going to give you a free trial to all their courses. The entire – you have run of the, run of the site – For 10 days, all you have to do— I'm sorry.
3: Uh, Am I allowed to interrupt here? Do you mind real quick? Go for it. I'm at lynda.com slash DLC, and you're telling me that I get a 10-day free trial, and that includes access to all 4,589 courses, which is, if my math is
1: correct, more than 100,000 video tutorials? That's exactly what I'm saying. All you have to do is go to lynda.com slash DLC. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash DLC, and you get free access for 10 days.
3: Mm. I just I just I don't know if you heard me click I just did nice with an anvil I
1: think uh I think everybody should give it a shot it really is useful information it's like you can learn uh photoshop I mean there's all kinds of great Great software that we're all using all the time we could get better at. And all kinds of other great useful information. It's You get lost in, in the learning, which I, I love to learn new things. So lynda.com is great. It's com slash dlc. And we thank them for sponsoring the show. All right, dudes. Back at it. So here's the thing. You guys picked my two favorite stories of the week. So my story <laughs> of the week is... Uh, is I'm gonna have Slim Pickens here because that was definitely what I was gonna go with. But Did you say Charlie Nash, yeah, you know Charlie Nash in Street Fighter Five. Uh, you know, big big news about Street Fighter Five the last couple of weeks: the announcement of Street Fighter Five, a, a long gameplay video, and then the tease that we just got this week of Charlie Nash, my favorite Street Fighter of all time. Like I was, you know, I was a huge Street Fighter fighter fanatic in high school and junior high. I uh, love Street Fighter 2, but my favorite Street Fighter of all time is Street Fighter Alpha. That was the game that my buddies and I would play non-stop. Alpha and Alpha 2, that was the jam. And the fact that Charlie Nash from Alpha is going to be in Street Fighter 5 is really cool news for me. But... I didn't really show too much of them. They're still s- focused on uh, Ryu and uh, and Chun Li right now with the, with the gameplay footage. And the gameplay footage looks really really good. If you watch it on YouTube in the uh, sixty frames per second, ten eighty p, wow, it's real purdy, real purdy. Um, so I'm excited where Street Fighter Five is is going. Uh, we talked last week about it being exclusive to PlayStation, which is pretty big news. But uh, I'm you know. I'm ready for f- this. This is my favorite fighting game franchise. I'm ready for a Street Fighter V. Uh, what do you think, Kevin? Is it cool news? Oh, I thought I was waiting for you to to pull the rug out of
3: everything you were saying and just go like, ah, just kidding. I mean, who cares? I uh, mean, it is a little <laughs> bit of that, but. You know, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm so, con- like, I I love, I, I watch so many things on Twitch that I don't understand. And Street Fighter tournaments are one of them. And so to me, it was just like, oh, another guy. I'm going to have no idea what he's doing while (laughs) some dude shouts at me that he missed his crit meter and should have double tapped his corner throw and dizzied up the girl. I have no idea what they're saying. So this is just like another face to add to my confusion. So actually, I was you got me kind of excited because I was like, well, who is this guy? He looks like Guile with with even more like with hammer pants on. Yeah. And uh, that was about it. Um, I had knew nothing about it. So the fact that you were excited by this kind of turned me around on it. I'm like, all right, cool. I guess I'll I'll find the joy in this new character
1: being announced. Well, the, they're the mining reason. they're mining their history and they're mining right. a particular s- section of their h- history that I associate with. So you know, I dig sure. it. But there's really not much a Street Fighter announcement could include that would be groundbreaking. It's like, yeah. We're having fighters. They fight each other. It's Street Fighter. It looks really pretty. I don't know. What do you think, Christian?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, he is – I mean, I'm curious if Guile's going to be in the game and, and how the two will be differentiated if, if both are in the game because he and, – and it's – you know, if you want to get into Street Fighter lore, right? Like he's the reason why Guile fought in Street Fighter 2 is because – spoiler alert <laughs> – he was killed. Um, by M. Bison, and he went to avenge him. Um, but, 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 but I don't know. I think there could be big bombs dropped in Street Fighter V. I just don't think that's the game they're making. I think we're going to see years or months, many, many months, of this very slow trickle. Like at Evo, something will come out at Comic-Con, something will come out at, you know, each event, you'll get a character or skin or whatever. And, you know, that's unfortunately, I feel like, the news cycle we're in with games now. But I think they could drop a huge bomb I just don't know if they are going to do that with this Street Fighter. Certainly the art doesn't look like they're doing a huge departure from 4, and the fighting they've shown doesn't look like a huge departure. But just because they've done something a certain way for a while doesn't mean they can't change it. I mean, the Alpha series certainly was, was different, and Street Fighter 3 was vastly different um, than Street Fighter 2 and all of the iterations of that that came before. I mean, if they introduce some form of a, of a new counter or they up the combos. I mean, if they, they can take the game infinite ways, I just don't think they're going to. So I understand why it's like, oh, hard to get excited about. But at the same time, imagine if they said, we're bringing in dial of combos a la Killer Instinct. I mean, <laughs> would that get you excited? Or would you just be like, they're ruining Street Fighter! <laughs> I think so it'd it would be the you, latter you know, one. <laughs> right. right, so it kind of, it's, you're 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 danged if you do, and you're danged if you don't to keep it PG, right? Uh. Yeah, yeah. I I did see
3: the. I did see the match. Uh, They did like the first live match. I guess I was watching on some. They had a championship event this weekend, and I was watching on Twitch. And uh, you know, Chun Li was hit through a wall uh, with uh, like some sort of critical or combo or whatever at the end of it, and a, a bowl of noodles landed on her head. Uh, it was like a mini cut scene. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Like, uh, I I wish the environments meant more. I wish they were more interactive. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of like that. That To me, that's cool. Because it's like, why? yeah, it's a pretty stage, but it doesn't matter. So here they were interacting with it. And then for the next round, Chun-Li had the bowl of noodles on her head. And really? I thought, I didn't yes, see that. for the entire round. And, you know, even – and she won that final round. And she's doing her victory yata thing with the bowl of wet noodles still on her head. And I thought, okay, that's funny. That's That's kind of cute. And it will – lead to like i mean just another way to kind of own your opponent where it's like yeah you, you know you might you might have won but you got the bowl of noodles on your head because i schooled you last round
1: and pre-ordered
2: right and <laughs> the physics the physics engine is clearly broken though that's Yeah, no is. although the the, 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 the the
3: soba the soba does sway with every uh hurricane kick it's really amazing <laughs> to watch it dangle it's pretty great but now know, i'm like the, oh there's gonna you know there's gonna be new like that's like their version of hats so they're going to go valve with it and be like, did you like the noodle hat? Well, for $5, you can get the chicken from the cage on that street scene will fly out, land on your shoulder. Like there's going to be Actually, some crazy a, DLC coming up.
1: That's a really kind of interesting way to go about some of that uh, uh, microtransaction stuff. Instead of buying items for your character to wear, it's right. items to dump on opponents' heads. <laughs> it's, I'm going to hit you so hard. How do you, you, so you want to humiliate your opponent? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to punch you so hard you'll end up in a chicken costume that's what that's what's gonna happen
2: well if you are excited you can you can right now go pre-order this game along with uncharted 4 5 6 7 8 and 9 and any other game that might not ever come out but hey go give your money go (laughs) go could we i mean could we stop
3: with the pre-ordering have you guys i'm sure you've had this discussion right like pre-ordering is really hurting the industry and hurting the quality of games that gets released it really is and by the way with digital distribution the whole, well, I got a pre-order because there might not be one available anymore, that argument doesn't hold water. So could we just stop rewarding companies by giving them our money and letting them collect interest on it before we know if the product is A going to ever ship or B
1: going to work when it ships? How do we how do we convince people to get on board with this no pre-ordering idea? I don't understand how I don't understand how we can make that message permeate. Because I don't. I mean, the amount of games that come out broken, the amount of problems that won't be fixed if people continue to pre-order. What's what's the solution? What's the answer? How do we change that cultural mindset?
2: We take their daughters, <laughs> and we, and we force them to play calls, Galaga. So we make some calls to get them back. We say, "If you pre-order one more game, <laughs> you will never see your family again." And that's it, it's solved. Um, it, it's it's so not video well, games, but I, I enjoy sneakers. Like there was riots again this past weekend as you know, getting your ticket to buy the new Jordan release that are coming out, uh, the Legend Blues. and it, it, people get excited for things, so it's like it's weird, right? because like yeah, don't pre-order Kevin. I agree with so much of what you're saying, but it also feels like being a little bit of a grinch where it's no, don't be excited, don't get hyped for something, just wait and, and it'll probably suck. So but I, isn't, you know, there, I isn't there like
3: it. another way to show your excitement than throwing money at something that you don't know if it's going to work not or in not? America. You know, like, yeah, I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. I guess we have no way of showing emotion other than by throwing money at things. I mean, that's how my parents showed love, so I get it. <laughs> but Richard, Richard Mitchell uh, at Joystick, and this was one of the stories of this week, he had an editorial about broken games. Uh, and I think that the, the, the pre-ordering leads to exactly this. They know that X amount of people have thrown their money on something. They're excited. They know they're going to make that money no matter what. So let's release it so we can tell our shareholders we executed and got all of that cash. And then we'll worry about patching it later because we already have their hard-earned dollars.
1: Yeah, the the key point, I think, from this editorial, and uh, Christian, you already referenced it as well, is that as of this moment right now, you can go on PSN and pre-order Uncharted for A Thief's End, which has no release date. And we don't know anything about it, but you can buy it. They'll sell it to you. You have no idea when it's coming out, what it will entail. I mean, you, we've have 15 minutes of gameplay. I guess that's, a, I guess that's something. It's better than nothing. Well, but,
2: and no, and no discount. Like I, you know, make it 49 bucks. Then you know, incentivize it a little bit. But there's no. It's it's crazy. And worse it's than crazy. that.
1: Worse than that. Right under the purchase it now button, it says. Your purchase is non refundable even in the even in the event that the price changes or the product is removed from <laughs> right. sale entirely crazy crazy that blows my mind. I mean I think
3: th- th- there needs to be a new consumer bill of rights for this sort of thing I mean when I bought I bought Battlefield four on my uh, my X bone and downloaded it, and it was so horribly broken that for weeks on end I couldn't play it and I fought with Uh, EA support. I fought with Microsoft support. I fought with whatever uh, call center that they outsource their online chat support to. I fought with everybody for hours just trying to get my money back. And it was like, well, we can't, you know, it's digital. We can't exchange it. And I'm like, that's BS because you can check to see if it's on a hard drive or if I'm ever logging in to play it from my gamer tag ever again. So just disable it. I want it brought back. And these if we don't start if we as the gamers and consumers don't start speaking out against these practices now and hold companies accountable it's only going to get worse and you know i guess the carrot that they dangle at the end of the pre-order stick is hey give us your money now and you'll get access to a gold weapon yeah. or maybe you can go kill a unique enemy in this part of the world and we just need to put our collective feet down and say, well, no, I want access to that. If I pay the same price as somebody else for the game, I deserve access to that. Like these tactics, these pre-order tactics were put in place by brick and mortars to entice you to purchase from them. And the game companies give them those exclusives so that they get preferential treatment and advertising and floor space. Again, we live in a digital age now. So being beholden to the, the sort of the habits of the past shouldn't apply. Um, but I don't know what the rallying cry is. It's really hard to motivate people when they're really interested in unique
2: hats. Yeah, It's really hard. Kevin, Kevin can we be best friends and hug? Um, <laughs> I agree so much, and I also just now have a pitch for season two of Serial, and it's uh, the quest <laughs> to return a broken game. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I would I called, love. I called Best Buy from the payphone outside
3: to tell them <laughs> that I wanted to return the game at three fourteen p.m. I'm sorry, very inside serial Jeff. Uh, I interrupted you.
1: That was good. Um, I would love, love to know how many people have already purchased Uncharted Four on PSN. I bet it's a large number. Um, I'm sure you could find
3: out in the Sony hack. I'm sure all that info's out there. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Craziness. Um, All right. So uh, real quick, we'll wrap up the news. There's not really much else. I I do want to have this week in old guys uh, because uh, Doom turned 21 this week. Doom is old enough to drink. Um, Pretty crazy. (laughs) John Romero, the creator of Doom, the infamous creator of Doom, uh, put out some fun, um, never-before-seen concept art, which is kind of cool. But uh, I'm more interested in talking a little bit about this. We've had some big, big uh, anniversaries this year. We had the World of Warcraft 10-year anniversary, the Half-Life 2 10-year anniversary. Doom turning 21. Kevin, you, I'm sure, played Doom. Uh, oh, God. As, I, as that's I a
3: understatement of the century, Mr. Kanata. D- Doom fundamentally changed my life. Like there's that Mr. Destiny movie where they show the paths that your life could have taken. Had you not hit the home run, uh, you know, or had you hit it. And this was one of those, like when, when my brother showed up at my house, uh, with a, a copy of doom shareware on floppy disk. And we installed that. And I had to reconfigure high mem drivers to oh, make yeah. it run on my computer. And it still had PC speaker sound. I will never forget the night that, that game first flickered to life on my monitor and it fundamentally changed my life because it, uh, I mean, it was just a visceral, wonderful game, right? It got me excited on that level. But because of the multiplayer functionality, it brought me to a new level of understanding and reaching out into, to my community, to bulletin boards, to swap phone numbers with people mm. so that we could sync up and play this multiplayer game. It brought community into my life Um, It taught me a lot about technology because I had to learn how to patch it and get it on the right version number as someone else. I mean, in so many ways, Doom changed my life. So it, it holds a very special place in my heart.
1: Well said, man. I the same way playing land parties like it was the first time I ever did oh, land parties with uh, yes. a, a game, and, and and like you said, booting it up that first time and going, I can't believe a game can look this good. And, you know, it's it's, right. it's it's ridiculous when you look at these uh, these new concept arts that that have never before been seen to realize that we were. I was just agog at the visual fidelity of, of these pixelated ridiculous. Oh
3: yeah, the do- dude the doors had grime on them. Yeah. The background looking at Mars, which was just like a grainy bitmap, but looking at that going like there 's a whole world beyond e one m one I just yeah. want to go through this window and experience it the the sounds that the enemies would make the cyber demon clunking to life it's you know again, you can look back at it now and go like okay that 's not nearly as cool as a call of duty cutscene, but at the time it was it was truly groundbreaking and one of the most visceral experiences you could
1: have uh, I love this uh, comment in the chat room from uh Pastor M. Titus. He says, I remember my dad copying Doom from the computers at the Navy Exchange in Naples, Italy. It took eight discs. <laughs> eight. Pretty cool. Uh Christian, do you have any Doom memories?
2: I bought a 32X so that I could play a then old <laughs> version
3: yes! of Doom
2: in my yes. room. And, and um, in a very small window, by the way. <laughs> yep. Yep. And but it was worth it. I have no regrets. I I do think you know, 21-year anniversary is a silly anniversary. I mean, for people, it has significance. But we'll talk on its 25th. When it hits a quarter of a century, I'll, I'll wax poetic about Doom. But, yes, great game. It's another year old. I love that
3: uh, John Romero released all these sort of behind-the-scenes pics of what was going on. And I was scrolling through them, and one of them is a, uh, a microwave <laughs> uh, sprite it's just a brown wall with some beautiful crown molding on Mars. Uh, and then there's a, a brown mug and a microwave. And then the one next to it is like the mug half exploded. There's like grime on the microwave. Awesome. Uh, I really, I want to know the story behind that. <laughs> I want an expansion or a wad that tells the tale of what was this microwave? Was it a shared microwave? Did the aliens get a hold of it? What was hap- Is this where they made the plasma? Or the plasma rifle or the bfg so many questions uh, why was this microwave sprite not included i want answers well at least you know you have a subject for your fanfic <laughs> right yeah that's that sh- i'm sorry that should be serial season two there you is go. the microwave on mars
1: <laughs> microwave on mars uh all right well let's uh let's wrap up the news and get into the stuff we've been playing with the playlist
0: Ooh, it's a play-
1: Before we get to the playlist, however, I do want to take a quick pause and talk about another one of our sponsors. Something that you might want to add to your playlist, and that's World of Tanks. World of Tanks! It's an awesome MMO for your PC. You can battle other players with massive, high-powered, authentic tanks by blasting away in intense strategic armored warfare. It's they're based on World War II, tanks, They've got a whole variety of maps based on famous battlegrounds from World War II. Uh, you can customize your tank. There's over 300 different tanks. All the tanks are based on real tanks from seven different nations. They got light tanks, medium tanks, heavy tanks, tank destroyers, self-propelled guns. The matches are quick. You can hop in and hop out. They go between five and fifteen minutes. You can uh, have. They have uh, now support for clans, and they've got this cool stronghold game mode. For clans, Where you can uh, purchase land and improve your stronghold. You get cool buffs and battle rewards. And it's getting updated every day with new content. Massive community of people playing World of Tanks. Over a 100 million p- players battling worldwide. And the best part is World of Tanks is free. Free to play. Even better than that, we're going to give you our tanks as tanks for listening because we've got a cool promo <laughs> if you go to playtanks.us and you offer the uh, and you enter the offer code DLC it has to be in all caps and again this also has to be in the US unfortunately it's not an international code but it's playtanks.us enter the offer code DLC in all caps and you'll get premium time a premium tank and 500 gold that's just for checking it out No obligation. It's free, and we'll give you some premium stuff. Playtanks.us and the promo code DLC. Awesome. Uh, All right. So, Kevin, you've been playing some stuff. What is on your playlist? Playing
3: a thing or three? Uh, Well, because it was finally on sale, thank you for making a digital sale, Uh, Microsoft. I've been playing Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. I know I'm very late to that party, far later than fashionably late, but – I was not a—it's crazy because I was not a huge fan of uh, Arkham Asylum. I just, for whatever reason, could not get into it, Uh, and I like Batman. Mm -hmm. Uh, And not a huge fan of Assassin's Creed. I I like Assassinations. Huge fan of that as well. Just had never really clicked with that game. And I love Creed. No (laughs) band has ever taken me higher. (laughs) But— But— When when I heard about, like, oh, this game combines them both, I'm like, why would I want that? That is two tastes that don't taste great. I love it. I've been thoroughly immersed in it, and and I'm not even really a Lord of the Rings fan. I haven't even seen all the movies. I'm just – the mechanics are right. I love – uh, the way that the, the, the sort of boss, uh, the, 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 the sort of gang leader system is integrated into things. The combat is very fluid. The upgrades are fun. I put hours into it and I haven't really even done many of the story missions. I'm just sort of running around, assassinating people, going into stealth mode, shooting arrows through heads. It's uh, visceral and violent uh, and I'm really, really enjoying it. So I know I was late to that party. Um, but when I'm done with that, I see all my friends playing Destiny and I go... Man, maybe they're, maybe they're doing something that I'm not because they're still having a lot of fun with this game. So I fire it up, and then like an hour and a half later, I hate myself again. And I go, <laughs> no, I'll, uh, I'll, you know, Xbox off, okay, and walk away, and then I'll come back to it and play another hour or two and get nowhere and receive no cool unlocks and play the same mission over and over again. And I just don't get it, and I'm frustrated with it, and I'm angry because I want to love Destiny
1: more. I uh, I've completely stopped playing Destiny so I'm definitely in your camp. I know a lot of people are still digging it. Certainly my Twitter feed is has got a bunch of people who are like, "Oh, the this the DLC is awesome, this is this and that." Yeah. Um Christian, are you playing it still?
2: some not as much as i'd like i still really like the game i will still defend the game my problem is that um i don't have as much time to play games as most of my gamer friends do and so i am vastly out leveled in destiny um and and so it's just hard for me to find a game with people that are going through it as slowly as i am which i feel like is a problem for i'm not alone in that and a lot of those games where you're leveling up perking up and you're required to be a certain level to go on certain missions or strikes or whatever or you know you know, my, Anthony doesn't want to run the same thing again with me because he's already done it eight million times and I'm going through the first time. It's just a different experience. Um but I I still like the game. I think it's fun and solid and I hear the expansions and the new um some of the strikes they've added are, are amazing. I just unfortunately am in under leveled to participate.
3: How far did you guys get? What was your level?
2: God, I don't even remember. I did not level up. I think
3: you I'm I think I'm the like, cap. Yeah.
1: No, I did not. I did not.
2: Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What, what, what level are you at? I think I'm 15, but according to my standup, I'm 28. So it depends <laughs> on who you ask. <laughs> I, uh, I hit 20, which is sort
3: of like the, 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 the first wall that you hit. And then it's all about your light level, which is, mm. you know, bound to the, the sort of gear that you can collect. Yeah. And the hours that I have spent grinding on the exact same missions over and over again, Uh, is not reflected in my inventory. Mm. And so my friends say, well, just go buy the legendary gear. Okay, but I need, there's 40 types of currency in the game. There's, you know, Will-O-Wisp Tears and and (laughs) Enchanted Dust and, you know, uh, Martian Farts (laughs) and all of these currencies that you have to combine to buy the objects from a weird vendor who only accepts strange coins and only shows up between five and seven on a Friday. It's Like, it's so unnecessarily frustrating. And the amount of time it would take for me to earn enough Vanguard marks to buy a a pair of gloves. I I calculated it last night. It would be four or five hours of grinding the same missions over and over again just to get one new piece of gear. Mm. Totally broken. And to charge 20 bucks for DLC that adds missions that retread the environments that already exist in the game. That you can complete within three hours, you're basically paying twenty bucks for the new strike, or excuse me, the new raid, which is supposedly awesome and lasts several hours and is you know great for tons of players. Awesome, but you're paying twenty bucks for one mission, a mission that you can only really enjoy if you've maxed your character out. Right, and it's so I want to give them my money. I want to extend my Destiny playtime. I want to hop in with my buddies that are having such a great time, but I can't bring myself to do it. And so, instead, I'll waste everybody's time by complaining about it for fifteen minutes on a podcast. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, well, I certainly get that. I mean, uh, I'm about to I'm about to agree with you, and then talk about how much I love World of Warcraft. So I'm a bit of a hypocrite, but um, uh, but... <laughs> but when you
3: but when you reach that octave, it's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, like, I just talk I about. I guess this. I murdered him with my car. I think <laughs> he's dead. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean. Well, well, go ahead Christian well, what well what wow does well as someone who has barely played it but I've listened to you talk about it a lot and and others is that they make that end game the new stuff that you want to play accessible so you, they they're like hey we have this new thing that you can spend your money on so come spend your money on it and then you do and you can play it and with destiny they're like here's this awesome thing you can spend your money on we, well great now you bought it now spend uh, 80 hours to get to it <laughs> and it's a totally different approach to quote-unquote end-game content right
3: hey that guess. was their message from day one with the game it was like look get it and you, uh, if people were complaining right off the bat oh the missions are exactly the same well that's because you're not level 20 once you hit level 20 it's going to be insane well then they got to level 20 and they're like what's well, the same missions well because we haven't released the raid yet Okay, you release the raid, but you gotta be level thirty to get to the raid. So you gotta spend even more hours playing the stuff that you didn't like. It you're I think you're absolutely right, Christian. It was just like get into this experience, and it's going to take you hours and hours and hours of your life before you can really enjoy the best parts of the game. You know, with that said, I spent hours playing it. I played these missions, like the shooting is fun. I do enjoy it when I get a new weapon or a new item and I get to do upgrades. So fundamentally the core gameplay that that feedback loop that five to ten minute experience is exciting but if something if anything else comes along it will knock destiny off the throne right now i think i'm only grinding it because it's there and i'm not interested in battlefield or call of duty at the moment
1: well the the difference for me especially uh with wow is is that what they have they understand very well and have done better in this latest expansion than they have ever done is they give you tons of things to do at end game. There is so much variety to the kinds of experiences you're having. Yes. Ostensibly it's just, you know, smack stuff, kill it and take its loot. But the ways in which you get into that experience are so varied and different. There's, I, I've, I've been playing so much lately uh, and spend so much time getting my item level up uh, but there's lots of different ways to do that. So, I, you know, you do daily quests. Well, I'm curious.
3: Yeah, how so? Because the the, the WoW that I know is you look for uh, a golden exclamation point, I think, above someone's head. Mm-hmm. And then you right click them and then you go kill a certain number of things and that's the end of your mission. So I would love to be
1: re-excited for, wow, so, so please, how do you get to those missions? Well, that's certainly still the case. I mean, you're still doing quests and killing stuff and coming back, but the, they've managed to write in a whole bunch of variety. First of all, in the leveling process to get to endgame, the kinds of quests you're doing when you click on that golden exclamation point, uh, I think they convey story in a much better way. They're, you're really part of an interesting narrative, and you're doing fun outside-the-box kinds of things. You're involved in big inv- invasions where you're part of a big army that's all NPCs, and you're taking on big hordes and, and doing cool stuff but when you get to the end game um I, I, there's a daily quest for example uh there's a rotating set of daily quests that you get from inside your garrison and one of them is this thing called the pit where you do this raid on this giant excavation site that the you know evil orcs are or not the uh, the iron horde is excavating so it's this massively large area that has all kinds of different features in it it's got all level 100 elite Guys. So you can just sort of grind on killing a bunch of dudes if that's the way you want to approach it, because you have this meter that you need to fill up of percentage of completion. And there's a whole bunch of things that push that meter up, one of which is killing guys, another of which is finding things around the environment. So, you know, run around and clicking on little bits of Intel that you can grab but there's all kinds of fun stuff that they've peppered in that environment as well. So for example, if you go in one certain area you can find uh, like rocket shoulders that'll shoot rockets at the guys. There's, uh, <laughs> because it's an it's a, um, excavation site there's a bunch of mines and mine carts and tracks and if you collect enough ammunition you can hop into one of those mine carts and you go on this Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom esque roller you know roller coaster mine cart adventure and you're throwing grenades out of the minecart at guys. Um, there's just a ton of these different little things to find to click on to add variety to the the basic mission of killing a bunch of guys in the pit. And then the the heroic uh, dungeons that I've gotten into the loop of doing uh, have so much variety as well. There's one in particular that is a real standout for me, and that is, uh, it's called Grim Rail Depot, and you're doing a raid on this this train, and it's very much you know uh, the Great Train Robbery, so you have to fight a bunch of uh, elite mobs to get into the train, and then you climb up this cool staircase, you're fighting guys all the way up to the top of the staircase, and you get to the edge, and it clicks into a cutscene where you leap down onto the moving train, and the cutscene is peopled with the actual character models of the five people that you're in this adventure with. So it's not like a pre-rendered cutscene. It's actually the people that you linked up with today. You get on the train, and then it's like Snowpiercer, where you're starting at the back of the train, and you have to fight your way to the front of the train to fight the last guy. And yes, you're still just fighting guys normally, but the last bit of... Uh, uh, the last bit of of fight, the last boss, is a really interesting fight. And they've done such interesting fights with the, with the bosses in these heroics. You're, you're attacking – this guy is sort of in a turret that's at the front of the train and he's shooting at you. So you have to hide behind uh, cover. You have to hide behind these boxes that are littered around the train. And meanwhile, a bunch of his guys are coming at you. And you fight them down, and they'll drop grenades that you can throw, and they'll drop mortar shells that you have to pick up and run and jump into your own turret to shoot back at his turret. So it's it's stuff that you've never done before in WoW, and it constantly is switching up the kinds of experiences you're having. That was a long— I'm sold. Yeah, long-winded no, explanation, l- first, but—
3: No, first and foremost, spoiler— um... <laughs> secondly i like okay that sounds amazing because the thing about destiny is you go into a room you scan a thing and you know the enemies are coming and you have to fight three waves to hear that in a traditional mission you might have all of this variety happening yeah now my interest has peaked the question that i have coming back into it is that i've been seeing the promos that are like you you could start at level 90 right away Mm -hmm. um Will I be completely lost and confused starting at level 90 right away? Will I have 40 toolbars of things to click on? Um
1: well, they they do will a Will I start at level 90 to get to whatever the new cap is? They do. The new cap is 100 and the the they do a really smart thing when you when you boost a character to 90, they have a sort of built-in little ramp you up uh, sequence like a, it's not a tutorial as much as it is you don't start with all of your skills you get them little by little as you do the first few missions in the new expansion so if you've boosted a character up you're not just dumped with a whole bunch of crap you don't know how to use you're slow you slowly earn each of the skills and use them a little bit to and then earn the next set and earn, you know use those so that's pretty smart um, but like any MMO, and especially WoW, the breadth and depth of information that you kind of have to uh, work through at at Endgame is daunting. I mean, there's there's so much. It's It's exciting to be playing a new expansion as it comes out because there is so much the community at large doesn't even know yet, and people are discovering. So, you know, all of the wikis and... And, you know, all the sites devoted to this kind of thing are being updated in real time and people are finding things out and learning about where the rares spawn and and all this stuff. And And I find that very exciting and compelling to be a part of.
3: I love it. Do, do I need to, because one of the gripes that I had back in the day with WoW was that like, I had to have the game open. That was great. And then I needed uh, three other tablets or laptops around me so that I could load uh, ThoughtBots and Warcraft wikis. Yeah. And I basically had to be like reading World of Warcraft the game while reading the Prima Strategy Guide while playing the game. Uh, to actually understand some of the missions and where I needed to go and to do things efficiently. did they? Is, is that still the case? Do I need add-ons and extra toolbars and guides, or will I be okay just firing it up and running around?
1: I, for the most part, it's still the case. Uh, they've integrated a lot of that stuff into the game, so there's a, a dungeon journal now that shows detailed maps of all the dungeons so you're not going in blind. Okay, and has breakdowns of the fights like, okay, well I'm a tank, so how do I handle this fight? And it says, well, you need to make sure you don't stand in the crap that he puts on the ground, and you make sure you have you know, when he does this, you have to do that that so it's built into the game but it still is it still is a uh a bit of information that you have to digest but but that's to me is the fun it's like learning the fights and working as a team there is nothing more fun to me than playing my role in a team fight like that and playing it Smartly and going, okay. Well, he dropped this. Everybody, let's rotate our interrupts so we interrupt the bad guy's spell. Okay, whose turn is it? It's my turn. Do my interrupt. Okay, here, there's the the skeleton just spawned. So let's stun it. You know that kind of coordination and teamwork is is to me the the fun.
3: Yeah, I kind of love that, and I never got that experience. So I think you just sold me on it because I've never I've I've played WoW and I sank hours and hours and hours into it. And it used to be like, well, I would get to twenty. And then the grind would kill me, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm out. And I'd try it again with a new expansion. I'd get to about twenty, and I'm out again. But the I've never done a raid, and when I see the videos of that and I see the coordination, I want I want in on that. I absolutely want in on that. So maybe this will be the one that I grab.
1: Well, I I recommend it. I I love it. It, it does eat my life, but. Uh... <laughs> but I'm sort of enjoying being eaten at this point. Um, let's uh, let's check in. they have a few callers on the line. Um, let's, this is the part of the show where we check in to see what is on other people's playlists, and I have somebody on the line from the 630 area code. Uh, what is your name, where you're calling from, and what's on your playlist?
0: Hey, guys. My name is Ani. I'm calling from uh, Chicago. And, uh, you know, as we get towards the end of the year, I am kind of like going a lot of my names. Uh, You know, the ones that everyone's been playing, like Far Cry, Dragon Age. But, um, you know, in in the interim, I kind of was stumbling through uh, the news, and I I saw this article on Polygon that mentioned uh, a game that Hideo Kojima talked about as mentioning as one of his games of the year, and it's this little iOS game called Frame. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just played through it, and actually I really, really liked it. Um, And uh, what that game is is that it's uh, this game where it has a kind of... uh, Film noir style, and it's laid out like a comic book. Uh, But the twist is is that the uh, protagonist or the player kind of goes through the comic book uh, through each panel, and rather than control the character, they're controlling the different panels. And you can rearrange the the comic book panels however you see fit, and you use that to kind of solve different puzzles. Um, You know, for example, they have a um, uh, one of the the uh, scenes where like you're trying to evade uh, the cops. And uh in one panel the you know as, as the play, as the character kind of moves through it, uh he'll get spotted by the cops, but then in the panel next to it, there's a door. so if you then rearrange those panels, he goes through the door and then manages to like get behind the cops. obviously that's a very simple one, but and um you know as the as the game kind of goes on, it gets much more complicated, and you're doing a lot of really cool things. um I really liked it. I thought it was a really, really cool, really neat idea, something that I haven't really seen before. Um, I love the visual style. It uh, it has a fantastic kind of film noir style. A really great uh, soundtrack. A really great jazz soundtrack. Um, and it's you know it's one of those things that I, I know, in, in a year of certainly seeing a lot of the same stuff that we've seen before. This definitely felt like something that was new and something that was unique. Um, it is four ninety nine on the App Store, so I think it and you know I'd probably beat it in about an hour and a half, two hours. So to some people that might seem like quite a bit. But I think if you're willing to put down the money for it, it it's absolutely worth uh, worth your time. And, and you know, I think you're going to find a very, very interesting game in there.
1: Uh, this is a game that I saw when I went to uh, PAX Australia last year. Not not this most recent PAX Australia, but the year before that. It was one of the big featured games in their indie area. I think the developers are either from New Zealand or Australia. Forgive me for not knowing uh, that. But uh, I interviewed those guys for uh, Newest Latest Best when we were doing that show. And this it really is a really fantastic concept. Um, just really clever a way to – yeah, you're looking at this comic book panel and you just rearrange the order of the panels in order to uh, solve the puzzles pretty slick and pretty clever it's uh it's sitting
3: on my my tablet right now i have yet to load it and that that pains me to say but just seeing the little demo video of oh rotate this pan like this panel has some streets on it and if you rotate it 90 degrees suddenly the protagonist is going to run south instead of north yeah it it looks like you are it's like a choose your own adventure in real time from what i can tell and i'm 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 psyched to play it and i'm happy to hear that it's a it's a cool experience for
1: 5 bucks uh let's check in another caller we have somebody here from the 574 area code uh what is your name where you calling from and what's on your playlist
3: 574 where you at oh.
1: there he is
0: <laughs> hello Hello. Hi, um, my name is James. Uh, I'm calling from South Carolina.
1: All right, what's on your playlist, James?
0: Um, on my playlist,
3: that, pa- that pause was for you to like whip a white towel around your head or somehow yell "represent,"
0: Jeff. <laughs> oh, okay, I mean-
1: South <laughs> Carolina. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been there.
0: Um, yeah. Um, so uh, just got a PS4, and I've been playing a lot of Shadow of Mordor, and that game is absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm a seasoned Batman player, but I just kind of ease right into that game. The controls, uh, the mechanics are are exactly the same. Um, but I'm I'm really digging this nemesis system that they threw in. Um I I know in previous episodes um you guys had said that you would wish that um you could apply this to a Batman game and I'm I'm all for that. Um but I don't know how it would work with necessarily supervillains, but maybe maybe just you know, normal normal street thugs or gangs or something like that. Um, but man, I'm, I'm so pumped for the new Batman game. Um, it's going to be, you know, sad to not see something like this in it.
1: I agree. I, the, the thing that I came away with shadow of Mordor was please everyone rip off this game. Please every game designer rip off this system. Um, yeah, Kevin was talking about how much he's digging it. We, I mean, I think it's clearly a contender for game of the year. Uh, what do you think Christian?
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't partake in game of the year per se but it is one of my favorite games that i have played this year it is incredible and um was available to be picked up for cheap uh and on disc from a few places i think there still are a few discounts i mean i think it's worth full price but keep an eye out if it's not on sale right now you can likely find it on sale and even if someone asked me because i you know was tweeting and and have been singing its praises um for the record i am not a huge middle earth fan i am not a fan of that lore the books and the movies don't do much for me i've certainly read them and, and watched them but i'm not chopping at the bit for more tolkien um and i don't think that hinders the game at all so if you are not a fan of middle earth um, but uh, enjoy action games or you think this game sounds for you other than middle earth i would suggest still checking it out
1: what's on your playlist christian what you what have you been playing lately
2: Oh man, I uh, I bought Drive Club, Jeff. What? Uh, I felt mm-hmm. like that's everything the opposite
3: of what you believe in. Ooh, uh, I'm sorry guys, I'm going through a tunnel, I'm going to have to hang up.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bye.
2: Uh, I'm going down some stairs myself, so I'll keep talking while I'm walking. <laughs> um, yeah, Amazon had it on sale for $35. I had $15 worth of Gamer Club unlocked credits point things at best buy so i went to best buy had them priced i mean i'm me and my best buy video game section now jeff we are like bfs they hate me um <laughs> sponsored by anybody but best buy <laughs> <laughs> so i i went i went there uh and used my my 15 so basically i paid 20 dollars cash for it it seemed worth it to me at that price point um they just released the dynamic weather pack and um for me the online stuff has been stable at this point from what i've played I mean, the game, what a hot mess when it came out, and still a disgrace and a horrible thing, and anyone that paid full price, I'm so sorry, you should be able to get your money back, and it's disgusting what they did. The PlayStation Plus version is still my game of the year for the biggest piece of crap, being the champion of broken games. It's really close between that and Master Chief Collection. That said, the $20, the game has played stable for me, and the graphics are gorgeous. The weather effects, incredible, um, it's a weird mix of, well, yeah, it's a little weird the way it straddles the line between sim and arcade. At times I, I I go into a corner thinking it's more of a sim game, and then I realize, oh, no, I gotta, I get points. I literally get points for pulling off an e-bra- e-brake drift, depending on the car you have. You'll need to e-brake to get the drift um, <laughs> around the corner. So it's, it's a kind of a weird hybrid. The game is fun if you can find it for cheap. I think if you like racing games, it's worth playing. I appreciate the fact that it's not an open-world drive you know all around this map, then pick up an event, then smash through some billboards. Those games are great, but it, it almost feels fresh to go back and, and play a game where it's you know event-based, and you go into a map, and you do this, and you race this course, and then you do this, and you move on to this course. Um, my problem with kind of the single-player progression is you have challenges – um as you progress through some of the, some of the courses have challenges where it's like, you know, a top three finish or things you might expect or, you know, also on that same race, then, you know, hit a speed trap at 110 miles an hour or hug this line for so long and get these points or drift through this corner or complete a lap in one minute, whatever it is. And then some of the tournaments, you have multiple races. And so I was going through a tournament and I achieved everything on uh, the checklist that I needed to do for the various courses except for one thing. I missed a lap time that would have given me, you know, like a, a point or like a star in Mario, right? You don't need to get them all to move on to the next thing, but if you you get them all, it unlocks further things. And so I, I hit everything except I missed this lap time, and it was on, I think, like the second or third race. And my understanding of the game, and I, I asked some people on Twitter and I looked around online, and I find this pretty frustrating, I can't go back to just that race. Um, so if it's the third race, I still need to race and complete. It doesn't matter what I place because I've already placed first in them, but I need to spend the three minutes or whatever. It might sound tri- trivial, but I need to race and complete the first two races to then get to the third race where I'm then trying to hit this lap time. And now, as long as I'm in that race, if I don't hit that lap time, I can hit you know start, exit, restart just this race, not the whole tournament. But I feel like for a game where you have those... Many challenges right within this big thing of getting first in the circuit seems like a real oversight to not let you just then go back and do the thing you're trying to do. I'm not asking to be loaded, like, a mile away from the corner I'm trying to drift and, like, let me just hit this drift. But at some point, I don't want to play those other races to get there. Um, I know, Jeff, you're not the huge racing game fan, uh, and I also know PlayStation Share or whatever it's called. You know, will only be 720p, but if you have some time, I do think we should game share this game just so you could check out. Maybe just watch me play. Yeah. When the weather rolls in and lightning strikes uh a, a infamous communication tower. It's not infamous, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like a cell tower in the distance and the light reflects and it becomes even harder to see because like in real la- real rain, when light hits it, you know, it illuminates it and kind of blinds you. In incredible that said boy boy do i suck at driving at night in a heavy snowstorm like one should the computer however i feel like is not
0: impacted
2: (laughs) the ai is not the best uh with weather effects because they're still driving their line and i'm like there's no way you can see this freaking turn in a blizzard um but if you play online with real people it's it's pretty fun because it's a mess kevin are you are you a racer at all do you enjoy
3: that kind of game I, I, you know what? I don't. I think like the Mm. last racing game that I really enjoyed was uh, probably Burnout Two, which is more of a just a cool crash simulator uh, than it was a racing game. Um, I tried the latest Need for Speed. I've read enough about Drive Club to know that I should stay away from it at least for a little while. Um, Yeah, yeah, it it doesn't really do it for me. I don't want to. I mean, if there's more to be said about Drive Club, let's get it out. But I would love to put my coin on the arcade machine because I forgot to mention. Uh, another old game that I'm late to the party on, but I can't put down, uh, bit Trip Runner 2. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, what are, what are you playing it on? Yeah, I'm playing it on the, on the Vita. Uh, it's an excuse to mm-hmm. finally use my Vita, and I am addicted. I don't know, do you guys, did you guys play it? Have you talked about it? I have played it. We have not talked about no. it. Did you did you heart it as much as I'm hearting it? Because I can't, like, I, I want a three-star every level. I want to get the bullseye bonus at the end. I want to unlock every 8-bit version. I'm not really that much of a completionist, but I want every character, every costume, every everything, and I don't mind replaying the levels because of the checkpoint system. They, like, did enough to make it challenging, but also not, like, the problem that you alluded to of, like, having to play the two races to get to the one race that matters so far in the game, and I'm in pretty deep into the third world i feel like they eliminated a lot of the the fluff around unlocking things and, and completing levels I, i'm so addicted to it
2: yeah it's a smart take on that retro style you know difficult style game i think much like shovel knight and you yes. know it's like oh it's like mega man but it's mega man for today's soft gamers that don't play games in their dad's basement as he forces them to play hard <laughs> games uh, <laughs> but it's really smartly designed but still difficult i'm i I don't think I've made it as far as you did, mostly because I think I'm moth to a flame. I was like, ooh, new game. Um, but yeah, it's gorgeous and, and amazing and definitely deserves to sing its praises. Do you not move on until you um, three star – are they stars? Are they corn?
3: No, 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 no. You, you have to get a certain amount of, of gold to complete a level uh, or to, to unlock certain levels. And so you know, as you progress through the levels – for those who don't know, it's a rhythm game uh, where you have to coordinate button presses uh, in time with the music. To leap over objects, to slide under enemies, to kick apart objects in your pathway, to spring yourself up into the air off of launch pads, or to dance in between those tricks to earn bonus points, uh, which can throw you off. Because if you're in the middle of busting a move, you might slam into a wall or a staircase or some sort of other object. Um, So the music is great. The rhythm aspect of it is awesome. And yet to progress, there are pieces of gold that if you time your jumps right or if you slide under an object at the right time, you'll collect the gold. And if you get enough of it, you can unlock certain levels and costumes and progress in the game. But you don't have to three-star everything. You don't have to have a perfect run. And you can even adjust the difficulty on a level before you hop into it if you're having trouble beating a particular thing. But it does such a great job of starting you out with a basic jump and then making suddenly just jumping difficult because of the way the platforms are placed and the music is going along. And then it adds a kick function or a slide function. Now you have to slide and jump while still sliding and then kick at the same time to bust through an object. Um, The way it teaches you a new skill and then bolts it onto the pre-existing ones is really satisfying. And I believe it was $2.99 on the Vita, and I have played well over 12, 13 hours of it now, just logged into it. And that is the price per fun ratio is through the roof on that one awesome
2: yeah and it's totally that pick up and play type of game i haven't played every bit trip game but every bit trip game that i've played i've really enjoyed they make great games and and runner too um if you think that everything that they make is like 8-bit graphics it's not it's it's um I, i mean i like the bit graphics of the original but it's a i don't even know if it's a super nintendo aesthetic but it's a a prettier drawn aesthetic than like pixel graphics
3: yeah, it's like a, I'd say a Sega Saturn. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's got pretty 3D worlds with weird characters and barrels with faces and weird octopi with monocles and they pop up and smile at you as you are playing a character who's wearing disco pants and has a hamburger for a head and you're leaping through the levels or you're a, a pickle with overalls and a, uh, and a big old mustache. Wow, sounds rad I to me. I love that. It's, it's, I'm in. Yeah, it's bizarre and great. So it, it, Jeff, if you haven't played it, you
1: owe it to yourself. I will check that out. Do it while a WoW mission is live Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, dudes, let's wrap up the playlist and uh, cut out a few moments of our tabletop time. Right now, right now. Kevin Pereira, are you a board gamer?
3: Uh all the time when there's nothing to play. <laughs> I, uh, sorry, sorry. I hated the, mo- hated it the moment I said it. Um, I, I am, I am. I have not been playing as much as I, as I wish, uh, I were playing, but, um, got, you were on the, the Twitter thread actually before I hopped on it about a new game. Um, yes. that's, the, the dutch name or the uh the polish, polish. name i cannot pronounce yeah. to save my life but it's called mysterium i believe oh
1: man yeah uh this is a game that i've been wanting to play uh ever since i heard about it it was a big big essen release this year in germany and it was available at bgg con and uh, our friend rich sommer uh is is somebody who managed to pick it up and he was raving about having played it and uh, you and i both tweeted at him and he was very kind and said hey come over and borrow it um so i grabbed a couple of games from him sadly i have not yet had a chance to get it to my own table uh, i plan to do that in the next couple of days so i will report on playing it but i'll just briefly describe it because the concept is so ridiculously awesome basically yeah. it's like a mix between the old game clue and a game called dixit which is a, a big Spiel des yaris winner from a few years back that um is a fantastic game in its own right but people might be less familiar with. Uh, basically the idea is like clue, you're trying to figure out who done it. Um, but the idea is this is a hundred year old mystery and the players are a group of psychics who've come into this house to try to commune with a ghost to figure out who done it. One player plays as the ghost. Everybody else plays as psychics. And all of the psychics have potential location, item, and culprit and the ghost knows who it is and is trying to communicate tho- that information to the pl- other players without speaking and communicating only through dreams well how do they use how do they do that well there's a bunch of these cards that are like Dixit cards that are sort of artistic paintings uh they're they're very strange imagery and there's a bunch of them in the game and you as the as the ghost player select one uh, or several of these cards to then present to the other players to try to communicate some aspect of what the item, location, or person is. And so you can use the cards in any way you want, maybe the color of something in the card or the tone of something in the card or a general feeling it elicits. It it just seems like a a, a magnificent way of trying to communicate between people or – you know, it's it, and it's all about deducing what about this image is the important thing, and everybody can talk about it except the ghost player. Right. Anyway,
3: I, I haven't had a chance. Yeah, and to Yeah, these play. cards. No, to, to your, I think it was a perfect description, uh, and took away everything that I had to say about it. So thank you for oh, that. Sorry, <laughs> but looking. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But looking at like the cards, uh, you know, it might be a, a fountain with some moss and a stepladder. And to your point about communication, like someone might be, well, it's about the color of the moss. No, no, no. He's trying to say that he was drowned in the fountain. No, you guys are ignoring the ladder. Someone had to climb to something. And then the next right. photo that's put down involves a nutcracker and an oven mitt on a countertop with a wine bottle. And you're like, okay, well, this is he's exploring a fetish. I don't know <laughs> uh, what what is the story that's being and knowing like those conversations, being able to craft that, and that you know. Making a game about the personalities and the communication of the people at the table that are playing it is always so exciting for me. And honestly, like I, the thrill of winning is great, but the sense of losing and defeat burns my soul (laughs) so i would i would always choose co-op over competitive every single time like even during smash brothers i'm like look i know i can win i'd much rather play co-op and have that experience especially if if it's a chance where i risk losing it doesn't outweigh the thrill of winning does not outweigh the sadness of losing so i love co-op games and i love that this could be you know seven people working together to solve a thing and everybody could high five in the end and if somebody loses well everyone loses right. and that's the way life should be
1: yeah yeah i know i'm very much excited to, to give it a shot um and again this is another one of those games that people will be frustrated at at us bringing up because you literally cannot get it uh you can't get it actually right. that's not true you can get it but it'll you be can, you can
3: it's coming to my house it, it will be yeah i got the polish well there's no language anywhere other than the instruction manual obviously which has thankfully been translated by many people on like Other than that, there's no text anywhere on any of the cards. It's completely graphic based. Um, So, uh, you know, I did buy it. The problem is that the game is like, you know, 36 bucks or whatever, which is fine. There's a lot of pieces and artwork. I'm okay with that. The shipping was about 36 bucks. And that's the part that breaks my heart because I'm paying as much to get it uh twice right uh but you you can get it it can arrive on your doorstep you just got to be willing to pay a premium
1: and you won't be able to read the cover because it's uh it's in polish um but yeah like i said (laughs) no idea what it's rich was nice enough to uh to lend that to me and when i I went over to pick it up he was like oh have you tried red seven i was like oh no no i've heard something so many good things about that he's like oh you gotta try that so red seven is a game i did get a chance to play because i played it with my wife uh last night and we played uh, several hands of it this is a fantastic game and it's really one of those easy to recommend quick plays very fast it takes nothing to teach people and it's actually a kind of a fun game to teach because the idea it's a card game and the idea is uh every hand you play every turn that you play you have to win the game and if you can't win the game on your turn you're out so it's a kind of a fun explanation and basically it's it's very simple there's uh, a series of cards numbered one to seven in a bunch of different colors, uh, all the Roy G. Biv colors, right? Uh, and those colors are ranked Roy to G. Biv. <laughs> and um, and uh, <laughs> wait, so is Roy is Roy the ultimate thing, or is is uh,
3: Viv uh, the, is Violet the uh, at the bottom the Ace? Violet's at the bottom. Okay, yeah. got it.
1: Okay. As she should be. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <Right>. the, uh, <laughs> and the idea is that you you can play a card in front of you, or you can play a card into the center. And if you play a card to the center, not only does it have that number and color on it, but it has a new rule. And it's kind of like Flux, if people played Flux, except way better than Flux, in my opinion. Um, so anyway, so you can either change the rule that is the win condition of the game, or you can play a card down to win the current win condition. And you only have seven cards total to use. You never draw more cards into your hand. And you try to strategically figure out how you can win on every turn. It plays really fast. It's really cool. So it's, it's basically like, uh, let's say uh, you start the game with high card wins. So as long as you can put a high card, the higher card than all your opponents down, you you can keep playing. Or if you don't have a higher card than the rest of your opponents, you can put down a card into the center that changes the rule to, for example, the most the The person with the most even numbered cards wins, so if you have two twos you're winning against anybody that might have you know a one and a six um, so even though you didn't have a higher card than their six, you do have more even numbered cards so you're basically kind of constantly changing up who's winning to make sure you're winning every turn uh plays really fast we played like three or four hands in a row all in under a half an hour um, it, it's a great easy and inexpensive. Cool game to recommend, um, and in fact, I just—I literally just added it to my cart as you were saying. Yeah, this. it's uh, like uh, as it's, Ma- it, as Matty twelve games?
3: bucks. That's a great barrier to entry.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I get. I was going to actually mention a few games like this because I've had several people as we get closer to the holidays. Uh, ask about games that are inexpensive that they can give as gifts to people i think red seven's a great one uh another one that i've brought up on this show many times is called love letter uh, which is uh which is another great easy quick game Uh, also there's a game called no thanks which is fantastic easy i bring it out all the time uh it's a good filler game uh easy to teach good gift again it's going to be probably around 12 bucks um
2: so let's talk about what everybody in the family is doing. Jeff, no thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah, no thanks is a, is is a is a very great simple simple game. Um Well what what is it? So what basically it? Uh, there's there's a numbered cards, right? And there's little chips. And uh, a new card comes out, it has a number on it, and you can either uh take that card into your hand or you can take one of your little red chits that you have and put it on the card. And everybody starts with a finite amount of those little red chits, right? So you're using up those chits to put them on the card. Now, the number on the card, if it goes into your hand, counts against you. So you want to have the, the lowest, the closest to zero numbers at the end of the game. But the trick is, if you have a string of consecutive numbers, so if you have 9, 10, 11, 12, it only, you only have to count the lowest number in that string. So... Oh, so you're wagering okay. against you know you can you can use up your chits to uh to not have to take the card and pass that along, but the person who does take the card gets all the chits that's on top of it, and each chit not only allows you to pass in the in a subsequent round, but also counts as a negative one to your score. So at a certain point, a, a you know a number twenty five card, which is pretty bad, turns okay if a bunch of people have put a bunch of chits on it and it's even more okay if you've got number 24 25 and 27 or i don't remember what i said whatever you know if, if you've got if you've got 24 25 26 in a row then picking up right. that you 25, can nullify
3: the damage of that number because you have something exact. lower and it makes it but if everybody remembers yeah, okay. if
1: everybody remembers that you have 24 and 26 and that 25 is sitting there somebody might grab the 25 just to screw you so that your 24 counts and your 26 counts you know so it it's, a, no thanks. No thanks. So it's a it's a great quick to play game
3: that's that's like that. So there's pl is that but I mean that explanation that required a a lot of numbers and 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 chits. Uh is that something that I can bust out at the holidays now with my family at the table and if i could get them to stop uh shouting at each other for three minutes is that something we can be up and run up and running with can we actually get playing that quickly i
1: think so i i find that game to be a really easy one to 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 teach but when you've got the cards in front of you that have the numbers on them and you've got the little bag of shits it makes sense to people really quickly and the same thing with love letter and and the game called coup is another one that i really like and and uh, red seven these are games i think That when you don't have people's undivided attention, when you're not able to go, okay, so you're a bunch of ghost hunters and you're, you know, it's not as deep (laughs) as as involved as that. Uh, It's something that can play quick and and it hooks people. It's these these gateway games, these little these little starter games. all right i'm grabbing that one one other one other quick thing i want to mention because actually i should have said this earlier than that we don't have an episode next week so we won't be won't be back again before christmas so i wanted to mention one other thing because i I do get a lot of people tweeting me board game recommendations and um maybe i'll put up a blog post on my blog uh, before christmas about some more in-depth stuff all the games i've mentioned so far i think are great quick easy inexpensive picks but Nine times out of ten, if you're asking for a recommendation for a board game, you're like, I want to get into designer board games. Where should I start? Which is the question I get more often than anything else. Nine times out of ten, the answer to your question is Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride is the answer. So just take that for what it's worth. If you've never played that game or you've never played designer board games and you want to get into them, the easiest game to recommend in the world is Ticket to Ride. It will be a hit with your family. It's so easy to teach. It's great strategic fun awesome game okay so that was my little public service and announcement for tabletop time love it um is chris is christian playing any uh
3: any of the games on the boards of the tables or
2: i mean i may have gifted he Jeff did yes x-wing and he has never invited me to play it so i just remained Ooh, silent man. it's uh and it's there's a lot help. of anger over there uh, i do
1: you do you did give yeah. me the best uh wedding present I've gotten which was a board game. No one else gave me a board game, just you Christian and I appreciate it. Well, we also that.
2: gave you like we also gave you something like uh, I think like laundry baskets. So, you know, the cool with the very not cool. <laughs> I appreciated <laughs>
3: it. Um all right. So like you guys I uh, listen, I, I would uh, I just based off your very quick recommendations, I just purchased two things on Amazon. Do you guys have affiliate links? Do you have anything like that going We're on not your website? Smart enough to so have you have recommend done that, that link- would have been a wise thing I would to love do, to- but you guys deserve some pennies. Yeah. I don't know if you could do that. Someone we should do that. Five, five, by five. That you know, get get an affiliate link there because I would you you totally recommended it, and I'm buying them sight unseen because I trust you and I heart you. So you deserve some pennies for that. that.
1: I should have a smarter person All than right. I would have would have already done that.
3: I would wait. I would wait for you to do that, but I want these games <laughs> now. So I'm going to prime them. <laughs> oh, sorry, proceeding to checkout.
1: Well. Kevin, I can't even begin to thank you enough for being on the show. It was a real treat.
3: Oh, you can. Go ahead. Take some right. time.
1: It's fine. We've we got plenty of time. Well, I uh, thank you uh, with cherry on top and whipped cream. Jeff, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to thank me. You're very <laughs> welcome. It was truly. Yeah. You know, honestly, big fan of yours for a long time <laughs> and uh, just uh, very excited. People should check out the Pointless podcast. What else What else would you like to plug while we have the opportunity?
3: Oh, thanks, man. Um, Yeah, just supercreative.tv. That's sort of the site where I'm throwing everything. Uh, We have a a fun uh, scripted series that we did with Nerdist called The Real Housewives of Horror. It's a video series. Very funny. uh, About women who are married to serial killers and slasher murderer types. So people can check that out. But I really, again, uh, I know we were playing a a little bit of the grabby hands at the top of the podcast, but... um, I was uh, honored that you gave up an afternoon to sit and grill me about an experience that I had, and that went live uh, today. Uh, again, supercreative.tv is the site. It's the Pointless Podcast, and the latest episode, episode 89, has you chatting with me about Bill Cosby, yes. Ferguson, your wedding, <laughs> stuff yeah. up top, which I thought was actually really interesting and funny, uh, as funny as you can make topics like that, <laughs> uh, but then right after that, we go into like a two hour deep dive on me going to Peru and taking ayahuasca and discovering faith uh, or not discovering faith. Who knows? You will know if you listen. So thank you again uh, for sitting down and doing that with me and then inviting me on this thing. This was a lot of fun. I had a, r- a really great time and I'd love to come back awesome. uh, any other time you want me to complain about Street yeah, Fighter. Sounds
1: good. I, uh, I will underscore what I said at the top, which was that uh, that two hours was uh, one of the coolest things i've ever been a part of and uh, i'm not just saying that i think people really should listen to it it will challenge what you think about things you may you may come away scoffing you may come away enlightened you may come away just entertained but you will certainly not be bored it is an amazing discussion and kevin uh, is very eloquent in talking about it um thanks man Uh, christian what about you what's going on in your world this week
2: So it's we don't have a show next week. So this is for next week. Um, If you happen to be in Los Angeles around the time of the holidays, um, I, along with friends, Moses Storm, um, who is incredible, he had a few things go viral. He threw himself a birthday party at the airport Chili's like he bought a ticket to take a (laughs) flight. Uh, And it's amazing if you watch that. He also launched an art exhibit called Modern Millennial, where he put up a Kickstarter saying, all millennials do is ask for handouts, so why don't you support me and mine? Uh, <laughs> just really, anyway, I love Moses. He's incredible. And Ify Wadaway, who was on this very show, um, Big Gamer, we are putting up a new show at UCB Sunset, which is the new UCB on Sunset, and it's December 23rd. It's called Trifecta, and there's one overarching theme this month's show. Or for this, the premiere show is Anticipation, we think it plays well with the holidays and all of that. And it's uh, it's called Trifecta because there are three hosts and there are three comedic disciplines. It's um, one stand-up for the show, Brent Weinbach, who is incredible, and um, one sketch group. This show is Private Street, the current sketch throwdown champions, which is a, a sketch cage match where three sketch teams go in and only one comes out they have won multiple multiple uh wait shows what in a happens row. to the
3: other teams Eaten by wolves. they don't come
2: out they're Eaten still by wolves. they're still oh. in there learning how to play retro video games so <laughs> and are, are the wolves are... chained to the
3: wall and if they fail at mega man then the chain grows one link longer <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, it, yes it, you okay. have obviously been there congrats on escaping yeah, uh, thank you <laughs> and then one improv team and it's uh um uh nick manernecking and uh um oh, brain blanking. Um, trifecta, December 23rd, 8.30 p.m. at UCB Sunset. If you are in Los Angeles for the holidays, check it out. Uh, I'm super excited to be putting up a new a brand new show. Um, I love improv versus stand-up and the other shows I do, but I love creating new new little things. So, yeah, that's what's happening.
1: Alright, well that's gonna do it for this episode, but uh, before we go, we do the parting gift. This is
3: your party.
1: Huzzah, uh, last uh, last bit of parting giftery before uh, the end of the year. Uh, again, I will remind everybody we uh, will not have a new episode next week. Apologies for that, but we're taking a little holiday break, just one week holiday break, and we'll be back uh, at the end of December. I believe december twenty ninth we'll have um, a uh, best favorite game of the year discussion. So so return here Monday. 11 a.m. Pacific time. And in the meantime, we have a little recommendation. Kevin, you have a, something to recommend to the people?
3: Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Black Ooh, Mirror. So good. So good. I was – and I'm like I, – I don't know if it came out three or four years ago. But when it first came out, because I was, I was fortunate enough to have it recommended to me very early. Like there was only a – torrent of this series it's a channel four series uh, it's like twilight zone for the modern age in fact i think that's how they describe it um charlie brooker uh who's very uh, great satirist uh, comedian writer uh journalist he did this special uh it's two seasons deep there's a, a feature length one that comes out today on december 15th uh brand new one it, it's a series that deals with i think near future societal issues that will happen due to the rapid pace of uh technology the way life will change um it's gritty it's real it's raw it's something that i begged uh the then president of g4 to license and put on our network at length uh in person and via emails because it meant so much to me i was like this is one of the greatest pieces of media i have seen in a long while and it speaks to me on so many levels it's beautiful it's so well directed each episode is shot differently edited differently um I cannot say enough about it. And it's finally on Netflix. So now you have no excuse. You no longer have to pirate it or watch a crappy quality encode of it on a a knockoff YouTube site. The series is Black Mirror. It is one of my favorite pieces of of media, again, that I've seen in years. So definitely start with season one. Watch all three. Uh, Season two doesn't hit as hard, but it's still very enjoyable. And I cannot wait Uh, to grab the feature length one, which features John Hamm. It's coming out today, so I'm very excited. So yeah, Black Mirror.
1: Christian, how about you?
2: With um holidays in the middle of them, in the middle of them, Uh, Thanksgiving is gone, and Hanukkah and Christmas are bearing down on us. Um, people joke about bad gifts, and I bought myself some new socks and new underwear the other day, and holy. don't dismiss that as a gift, you guys. Maybe I'm showing my 34-ness, but, man, <laughs> I am so pleased <laughs> with both my new socks and new underwear. And I think sometimes we forget uh, <laughs> that that can be nice. And Hilarious. I I'm literally reminded myself yesterday when I got—I was like, these are so comfortable. <laughs> so, I don't know. Give them, get them. Don't, don't forget. Just because your underwear is five years old and still, quote, works— gross man get some new underwear <laughs>
1: <laughs> fair enough uh i want to recommend the new prince album i am the world's largest prince fan and he is still knocking it out of the park art official age uh get the pun any t- any album with a pun in the title i'm going to recommend but uh prince it, he is at the top of his game still it is a album i have been enjoying ever since it was released and uh this is fantastic awesome funk there is, uh, there is ballads. There are uh, freaking dance. Uh, can't resist. To can't stop. Can't get it out of your seat. Ugh, awesome jams. Art official age. Uh, you will like it if you enjoy the quality music. All right, that does it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Kevin Pereira and Christian Spicer. Big happy birthday wishes again to Zach Holder, our producer and audio engineer for. He's, he's awesome, knocking out of the park every single week. Thanks to everybody that called in. Thanks to all of you who listened. And until two weeks from now, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.